0: Percentage is almost 50 points this year than it was last year. How have you improved at the plate? El porcentaje tuyo en base tiene 50 puntos más alto este año que el año pasado. ¿Qué has hecho para mejorar? Bueno, he salido a tratar a buscar un picheo y
1: me he sentido mejor en el plato me he sentido más selectivo. I'm feeling a lot better at the plate, looking for the pitch, a good pitch to hit at the plate, more selective,
2: and then the results are there. That was Alejandro Kirk speaking to Hazel May. Thanks very much to Hector Lebron. Perfect. It is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Six wins in a row for the Blue Jays. Kevin six five over the Chicago White Sox. That is their fourth consecutive one run win. And we spent a lot of time yesterday talking about Kevin Gossman, Lucas Giolito, how it was going to be a pitching matchup. We were all looking forward to it. Yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. It turns out that Alejandro Kirk is the star of the show for the blue Jays. Teoscar Hernandez getting a supporting role, nod some really good and timely defense. Timely doesn't begin to describe. I don't think the defense the Jays got and, uh, they won the first game of the three-game series. They have Jin Ryu going today, I should say tonight, against Michael Kopech. Um, Let's talk about Alejandro Kirk out of the gate, first of all, before we talk about the defense. Two home runs. This is a guy that what, didn't get his first extra base hit until May 1st mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now he's hitting in the fifth spot. He and Danny Jansen are doing such good work offensively that Charlie Montoyo, who's only got two catchers, has got them both in the game at the same time. Is it really that simple? Being selective, getting a pitch to hit. Is it, it is. really that simple it, for Alejandro? It, it is. Nothing well, mechanical or anything no, no, like well,
0: that? Well, yeah, that that that's without b- being said that his mechanics, his lower half, his trigger. I talk about this all the time. About work, having, his whole body's but, a lower half, it, though, isn't it, it? It is. Well, you know, he's, he doesn't start comfortably like it doesn't look comfortable it's not something you would teach he's very like you know you can picture how he stands how he starts but for me it's his front foot the way he closes off his front foot the way he raises his heel that's his trigger every hitter needs a trigger i keep saying this about matt Chapman. matt mm-hmm. chavin would be a really good hitter or a better hitter if he had a better trigger if he had a trigger to be able to get something going back, rubber band theory. I mean, it's it's been that way since baseball was invented. That you have to get a little something going back, so you can have maximum collision with the baseball going forward. That's the whole point. And for Kirk, yeah, it is that simple. That's why I wanted to play that out the gate, so people could just understand at this level. Sometimes you got to simplify it as much as possible. Like you got to, you. I don't want to say dumb it down. That's a bad word to say. I don't like using that word. Not only that, is three words. That's that's there. You go. Leave it to you that that's sort of what you try to do as a hitter. And when you're in a sweet spot and you're living in that tree is what we like to call it when we're we're hitting. It is as simple as I get a good pitch to hit because I'm comfortable enough. and, And I'm not thinking so much about where's my front foot at, where's my hands at, am I rotating my hip? And he is a guy that does rarely rotates his back foot, which is the craziest thing like okay, explain ex- uh, because can't, you can't see me on I know we're on TV here but you can't see me from the waist down okay. but but whenever he rotates his hip if even if that's a rotation he starts obviously with his foot facing the first base bag right. that's, that's where you can pitch that you can't see my foot I know we're on TV but you can't see my foot but you basically through his entire swing it does not leave that the place. front foot does not no his back foot the foot he digs okay. in with the foot that he gets when he raises his little trigger, because he starts with a closed front foot, mm-hmm. that keeps his front-sided. That's the whole point in that. But he wants to clear the hips. He's trying to catch up to velocity. How you do that is, is that trigger with your front foot, the way he starts, he's closed off, and he is a Beau Bichette guy. He wants to drop the backside, get it in the, the barrel and the hitting zone way back here behind his body to keep it in the zone as long as he possibly can. That's why they say he has great bat-to-ball skills. It's because he can find the barrel. And the reason why that is, it's very simple. But it's very odd because that back foot, when he digs in, stays towards the first base bag, even through his finish. And Does the fact that he's so short make that easier for him? I don't him? think so. I don't think so. He might get his eyes a little closer to the strike zone. But it doesn't, it doesn't it, ex- it, it, it explain has, why he does that with the foot. Absolutely not. You know, maybe the way he's, he starts... Uh, He's not really trying because he's not a power guy. He's got power to the pull side like he did yesterday, but he's not a line-to-line guy. His thing is not power. He's trying to hit line drives. He's trying to be a doubles guy, and he doesn't really need to clear his hips or get off of his backside like most power hitters do. He doesn't want to drive down and through it. He wants to get it in the barrel way back here which is behind his body, and keep it in there as long as he possibly can, like way out and through it that way like last night. Oh, whoa. Now, you you give G a little credit. Runner on second base, what do you do? You try and take a little something off, get him out in front, get a cheap out Mm -hmm. to the pull side so that he doesn't move the runner? That's smart pitching. But because he stayed through it and can think up the middle with his barrel, That's why he's able to do the things he is, and I I just love the way he said that because that's what I've been saying forever. You try and simplify these things. I, I went through so many slumps, and it basically got down to the point where you start having conversations with people you want to have the conversation with. How do I simplify this as much as possible? Don't tell me about mechanics, where my feet are at, where my hands are going. Am I rotating my hips? Am I staying closed off? Am I driving down through the ball? Don't tell me any of that. Simplify this thing, get a good pitch to hit, and if I can do get a good pitch to hit... Because I have talent and I trust my mechanics, great things will happen. I don't think
2: it's coincidence that we've seen Alejandro Kirk have this, be more the hitter we thought he'd be at the same time as Danny Jansen has come off the I.L., and has started to catch more games. Is uh, that that's not a coincidence? That
0: looks quicker to me. Sure does. Look, look at his body type. I, you know, I, it's no, it's what's one thing to. And you weren't criti- conditioning. You weren't, not, you I'm weren't not. hammering him. You were just no. simply
2: pointing out. And it's a, Con- it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a legit point. They look have- at the guys. The size of the guy. Look at his body. Catching is a position that wears it. I are. know.
0: I know for a fact that that they have said. You know, you in the off season, do something about yeah. your weight. Figure it out. Be in better shape so you can play three or four days behind the plate. But you ain't doing that in season. That's and his, hard to his, do. His answer was, I think I hit better, bigger. I mean, if he hits like this, does it matter what he looks like? No. But, again, that gets back to give the organization credit. They noticed something when he did have to play more behind the plate. The bat looks slower. Ball wasn't coming off his bat the way they wanted it to and the way he wanted it to. And they're thinking now, you know, maybe you DH him a little bit more. Maybe mm-hmm. you can. Maybe you give him only a couple of days behind the plate and you use him more on the offensive side than you do the defensive side, which makes a ton of sense. And now you're seeing they're being rewarded for it. Yeah, I, I mean, there's
2: there's really nobody else you'd want DHing right now, necessarily. in the, in the way the lineup look, looks right now,
0: Springer, I think sometimes you got to no, get Springer but I mean, some DH days, and and but I right. get your point. You're you're, you're talking when the about, whole
2: lineup when everybody when mm-hmm. it, when everybody's in. I mean, I, I I like him DHing. I like Jansen in the eighth spot. Um, but man, you know, I do. I can't believe this because I'm not a big fan of three catchers, but I just I wonder if we're not going in that direction with this team.
0: I hope not. I I I, I hope not. I mean, you may have to. Just because of the way you want to use Kirk or the way you have to use Kirk. Now, that may be something you can address way. down the road. Yeah, I mean it's not <clears throat> it's not the be all end all. And they may they may think they have to do it that way. And there's been some rumblings. People are talking that this when it does go back to thirteen on both sides, thirteen pitchers, thirteen mm-hmm. position players, that you may have to have three catchers. I wouldn't like that. But if Kirk keeps sitting like this, does it matter? Uh you do what you have to do then. Yeah. It's
2: certainly it's the it's the people talk about a good problem to have having Gabriel Moreno at AAA there Kirk and Jansen up here it it is a good it is a good
0: problem to have. And, I'll say know, right I say right now he's hitting so well you probably can't trade him now either. I mean, Tay Oscar's not hitting. Vladdy's not hitting. I mean, I, it'd be real tough once you got a guy like this who can do some things offensively. Yeah, it, it's I uh, Kevin
2: I I mean awesome. I, I don't know. I, I I look at I look at this team. We know what it needs. It's not, I mean, it's not a surprise. It's probably the same stuff we thought it would need coming out, of, coming out of spring training. I look at this lineup. I look at last night's lineup. And I will admit uh, I wouldn't mind a little clarity on Teoscar Hernandez on his contractual status. But leaving that aside for now. Who am I going to move? Operating under the assumption I don't want to move Marelvis Martinez and Gabriel Moreno. Which of my everyday slash pseudo everyday players would I consider who could you do putting in a deal? You may I ask you a question? I, I will tell you, you right do? now. L-
0: Lourdes or Kirk?
2: A Lord, right now? Right now, Lourdes. Those are the two names. If you're asking me, can I find... I think my chances of finding somebody who can play left field, maybe hit left hand, Mm -hmm. do all that stuff for me, is a little easier than getting rid of Kirk to get that. If you're asking me, I'd rather right now, I'd rather Guriel be the guy, although that contract is so valuable. Uh, There's so much value attached to it, and I love Guriel as a player, and I thought this was going to be his breakout year, but... But man if you can do that, you know and you end up with this you still got you still got catchers coming out of the yin yang if you make are they any good if you make that trade? No, but I mean you've well, you got, got options, Kirk Jansen and Moreno. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe in the off season they look at trading Danny jansen I, yeah i who knows, mm-hmm. but I'm with you right now i uh Kirk to me is a guy it made sense to move him this spring as part of a big deal, I don't know right now. I don't know right now. And that's the thing. I mean, and that's the thing about Alejandro Kirkus. And that's what everybody in the organization has been telling us all along. Mm -hmm. This is, this is the guy that, that we're seeing right now. The guy with elite bat the ball skills, a guy who is better defensively in a small when used properly than, than I think we thought, than I think they thought as well. Mm -hmm. Really valuable. Uh, Teoscar had a couple of doubles last night. You, I thought I was all, no, I shouldn't say I was all in on Teoscar. I thought that was a real positive. You still think he's a little late though. He
0: is uh, again, you, you'd rather the you'd take rather away that he well, you'd rather be late and get two hits than, than, exactly. than not get any hits and, and still be late. Uh, yeah, he is the, the way yeah if you, if you notice y'all all for me anyway, w- whenever I watch a guy who is in between, like he is, uh, it's, it's how he takes pitches and where the pitch is at when he takes it. Like, if you noticed a couple times last night, he took a couple of haters. They were all over him. He had no chance of making contact on that. That's what what you tell yourself. If you're a fan, you're watching these guys, and you see them take a pitch, if they wanted to swing at it and thought they could hit it hard, could they? Sometimes, or most of the time right now, when he takes a pitch, you can't do that. That's what I say. He's, He's sort of like Vladdy. It's when do I start? Now, I was always told when I was a player, you start when he starts. And then I started figuring, well... I would that would mean almost I start too soon and I'm waiting on him to release the baseball. And when you wait, you got to start again. And that's never a good thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a fine line on when you're starting, when he's going. And they throw so hard now, you almost have to be, you almost have to set your sights. Because when I was a player, I thought I wanted to hit the ball to left center. But because of velocity now, that's moved that around. And if I was hitting now, I would be more thinking, I want to hit that ball to right center. Because that means I'm changing. Now, actually, you wouldn't. But that's speeding up that internal clock a little bit that now instead of me catching barrel, you know, a little bit behind my front leg. Now it's a little even with my front leg. Now I have room for error. If I'm a little tardy, I'm still keeping that fair. And I'm hitting that hard somewhere because my bat path is level. And it's more because I'm thinking right center instead of left center because of velocity. I'm hitting that with a firm front leg instead of a little behind. Cause you know, a little behind Jeff at 95 plus or whatever that is now that's you're being left-handed or right-handed. Again, they're battling. And, and you know, I, I started watching last night, and we've been talking about what they need, and they need swing and misses, uh, miss arms. For me, the most important thing is to figure out how to get Vladdy going. It might, for me anyway, be more important. Now, obviously, long-term, September, October, they right. obviously need swing and miss and another lefty. But you want to get away from the all the one-run games? Figure out how to get big boy hot. Am I correct
2: in suggesting that the old thing with Vladdy, but while they're getting him out by throwing him away, sliders away, fastballs away, et cetera, et cetera, that we're now seeing teams. And, and this would maybe, I don't know say, concern me, but we're now seeing teams attack him as opposed to that.
0: An, an example, I, I saw Giolito throw Bo Bichette a 3-0 slider. If he's afraid of Vladdy, is he throwing him a 3-0 slider? Not a chance in hell. That should tell you something right there. Bobachette walked in four pitches. He did, but he threw him a 3-0 slider. Yeah. Now, we all know Bo's a free swinger, and mm-hmm. it's, but <laughs> if Vladdy's hot and people are scared of Vladdy, he, they, nobody's throwing Bo Bichette a 3-0 slider. They're going to come after him. They're going to stay in the big part of the plate. They're going to attack. They're not going to nibble and trying to get him to chase to get a cheap out. They're not going to do that. For me, this this is a couple things. Now, again, I'm saying this because I have no idea what's going on behind closed doors. I have no idea. I don't know what he's trying to do. You know, every time I hear Tabby say the the uppercut with the lower, with the ball off the tee. Now, I, I know, know Tabby I can, does can, his homework and I know everything I he says. Is he's been told, yeah. I can see your head explode. I want to I hold my ear. I don't even want to hear that because whenever I hear Vladdy talking about uh, triple crowns and, and, and winning batting titles, you ain't going to win no batting title with an uppercut in your swing. You just ain't going to do it. And Sometimes you got to tip your hat to a weakness. I have a weakness down in away. So what? You know, you name a hitter. I can tell you their weakness. Every hitter has a weakness. Yeah. But what they do is, is they don't allow that to be a crutch. They don't try and figure that out off the field so much that it it takes away something that they do well. Which is exactly what I see. Now this is just me. Vladdy is lost confidence, which is a big deal. This is ninety percent of. Ask Alejandro Kirk. First answer out of his mouth was he feels confident enough to talk about what he's swinging at. Then everything else it goes into being a really good hitter because he's confident. Mm-hmm. Vladdy doesn't have that. Every time you listen to Vladdy, it's it's I'm late. You see him, he takes a little dry swings. He's doing the the, the separation from his lower half to his upper half. That's the one thing for me. He's late. And, and how do you fix that? I know how I fixed it. I, I uh, Jeremy Burnett's, whenever I played, always used to tell me, work to your finish. Get to your finish. How do you get to your finish? Can you do – look at Bo Bichette right now. Bo Bichette's spreading it all over the field because he's getting to his finish. He mm-hmm. has a, a, uh, a balanced lower half, and he's using his backside. When he struggles – He's late backside falls across the first base bag. And then the barrel doesn't have length. You know, he's a big length guy that has to get in the zone and stay in it. Well, when he's not using this backside, it's in and out. So it's almost like his barrel looks like an alligator arm. Mm -hmm. It's in it and out of it, in and out of it. And you see ground balls, you see the little lazy pop fly to right. Vladdy for me right now, can't get to his finish. and, I know how I would fix this. I would put him on the field, nobody around. I'd put a machine out. They got a bazillion machines. I'd put a ball in the machine. I'd I'd run it to 90 miles an hour, and I'd say, get to your finish, stay in the big part of the field. Hit a line, drive to right center. Hit a line, drive to left center field, and get to your finish and hold it, whatever that is. Now, he's limber enough that he can have two-hand finish. I was never limber enough to do that, to stay linked through the zone. Have him do that. Actually, have him hold it to his finish, which that tells him confidence-wise, everything's connected. He has two starts. He has big hand movement. Hands start like it starts, laying behind his back. They go down when he, fruition of his gather, that's what it is, that first little start. They go down, and what do they do when he goes back? They go back to the exact same place they started. That's a big move. That's why I said, if you can have a machine, put it on the field, and actually get to your finish doing all of this stuff and then you start cranking it up a little bit more. Once he starts gaining confidence that everything's on time and I'm to my finish, I'm to my finish. Look where the ball's going. And it's with line drive. No uppercut in my swing. Vladdy's special because he hits those. So the ball so hard in the middle of the baseball. That's why he's special. And that's why you're thinking about him. He could hit 350. Mm -hmm. He could hit 40. He could drive in 125 runs is because his swing is level and he has plate coverage because of that. And That, for me, is one of the things that you see. He's rarely now to his finish. You rarely see that ball that he just misses that straight back. Normally, the misses he has, foul balls over the first base bag, or he's laid on a a heater that's 94 right down the middle, down the right field line, and you see sort of the the finish is on his heels. Uh, He's got cheating. The front hit's opening like he's almost cheating to get to his finish. I think it's an easy fix. But then you start hearing people say that they're working off tees and they're uppercutting. And I, they're, look, Vladdy's don't come around every day. And, and I was one of those guys when I got around the wrong people. You know, I had bat speed. I was a pretty good hitter when I was young. I was full of it. I knew I was pretty good, and I could get to it. And then I started being around people that start to change and do different kinds of things. This is where you got to be careful. Like, you got to simplify it enough to know, man, I'm good. And you can tell he didn't have that. There's some – you talk to Bo. Bo said – remember that time he's talking to Hazel when mm-hmm. Vladdy threw the water on him? And he said, I got my swagger back. Vladdy looked like he got any swag to you? Absolutely not. And that's, for me anyway, I just think until he starts getting to the finish and holding – remember him last year, you picture him, all them home runs he hit, Jeff, how when he would hit it, he would do it and he would just stand there and pose it. Mm-hmm. And then he would take off running. When's the last time you saw Vladdy do that? This year. So that's that's what I'm saying. He can get to that, and he can get to it easier just by having confidence. Do it in the cage. Do it in the the, on the field before everybody shows up, and then when you go into games, just second nature to you.
2: Want to talk about the defense last night uh, as well for the Blue Jays? Some terrific defensive plays. The ninth inning. Well, we'll start with the the timing play uh, in in the sixth inning, I believe it was with uh, Yasmani Grandel. Hitting the fly ball too. to where score. He was not as chapped as <laughs> not as chapped as Tony Larusa was. I
0: said, you want to be a good teammate score when you're well, I, to I score. Was thinking of you uh, yeah. fly ball
2: to, to deep left field. Uh, and, and this is the second time, by the way, it's the second time in five games that Jays have pulled off this timing mm-hmm. play. So Guriel throws the ball to second base. Now, Reese McGuire, and I didn't see the replay until I got home last night. You were right, McGuire's down the baseline. and Then he 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 chucks over his shoulder. Basically, the tag at second was well before McGuire crossed home plate. Like I mean, I know on TV, my original thought was you're gonna you're gonna have you're gonna challenge that. Then you saw the first replay, and it was not that close. Mm-hmm. Like it it was not a matter of you know, oh, it's an inch or the the foot's above. Home plate. He was at least a step away from getting across home plate when the tag was applied. So, so two things bad base running by McGuire, good defensive play by the Jays, I'll, though. And you pointed out the role Kevin Biggio played in that.
0: The, the, this, excuse my French, but when you don't hustle on the field in big spots, you're going to look like a horse's ass. And that's sort of what Reese McGuire looked like when you're turning around. Now he he may not even have scored, but at least you could get gave yes, yourself yeah. a chance to put your Correct. head down and run as hard as you can possibly run to the base, and then you turn around and see what's going on. At yeah. least you give your team a chance to score a run, and then Mendick for g- trying to to go from first to second with a guy that everybody knows has a good arm. Now get back to that arm thing. When you throw a ball flat-footed from a morning track, Jeff, the, uh, you know why everybody says don't throw a ball flat-footed? It's because sometimes, whenever, well, most of the time, whenever you do that, the ball comes out of your hand up this way, which is above your head, so it's going towards the sky when you're flat-footed because you're sort of leaning back when you throw it. The ball goes up that way, and then you throw it all over the place, and people are running all over the place for it. For Lourdes to be able to sort of be leaning back flat-footed and throw a BB... Sort of short hop, but it's still online to mm-hmm. be able to do that and have the arm strength. That's that's some that's some elite talent when it comes to your arm strength. And then both and then the uh, Kevin Biscio. Look, look, we can say what we want about Kevin Biscio's offense. Now he's gonna have to make some adjustments. Sooner or later, he's gonna have to hit. But defensively, I'm a fan of his. Be able to move around like that takes guts. Like you, you don't want to be embarrassed. He's not good at all these things, but he's doing it because he knows this is the only way he's gonna be in the big leagues. And for him to be able to catch that short hop, I mean, that's an in-between hop, so he's going to have to attack that baseball. He can't play Attab- with it. He can't give with it. Yeah, he's he's going to have attack, to attack that with a little short hop. So first thing you got to do is catch it. And then the next thing you got to do is turn your body completely around and don't, I hate when people say this, put your glove there and let somebody slide into it. No, you don't do that. Because what happens is the runner who is, they're athletic now. They can move their feet around and miss your glove and then you're yep. starting to stab at it and bad things can happen. He had enough awareness to know to turn around and jab at it, like jab at his foot to go get it. Like go get his foot, be the aggressor that way, which I love that every time I see that, it just it gets me fired up. It's the little things, right? It's the we talk about that. The American League East, you mm-hmm. can win the American League East by one game and just having that little short, quick jab, and that's Louis Rivera. Louis Rivera is one of the best, quietest infield coaches in all of baseball. He just does little things that puts everybody in the right positions to to be their best. I, that ultimately, like, I like little things like that.
2: That ultimately in a one run game, that saves the game.
0: Sure did. So you got some dude who don't know how to run the bases who's not hustling, which I'm sorry I couldn't handle that. If I was a manager, I know it's not any anybody's place to show anybody up. Let's like talk that.
2: about Mendix's role in this though, because you're the first person to talk about about what, yeah, what, what Mendix did.
0: That's terrible too. Like you, even if you think You think the, he's doing that because Okay, if you're going to do that. Know the who's running at third base. Uh-huh. It's not a very there fast guy. All right, you know yep. he doesn't always have field awareness and know what's going on around. We know that. We've been here. A,
2: this is a team that's been that, that has been scuffling offensively and, you, and with you and with not without names. You don't have names. So every
0: little thing right. matters. Like you have to do every little thing right, and you can see Tony Russo over there going. Well, everybody knows who's not in the lineup. You yeah. know what you have to do to score runs, and for guys sort of just be running all over the place. Makes you scratch your head a little bit about the the just understanding the game, knowing what's going on in front of you, and that's a, even the worst part of it. Is the play for Mendick was right in front of him, like right. it's not like it's the right field and he's running with his back turned to it. No, it's he's right looking in front right of at it, it at the left fielder. Like you got to understand how hard a ball's being thrown, unless you just running with your head down and not paying attention, which is probably what happened, and it cost him a game. The Jays before the game yesterday uh,
2: DFA'd Ryan Barucki called up Trent Thornton. I, I I presume they want... I mean, to me, it indicates with Ryu starting and, and kind of the state of the bullpen right now, maybe maybe they want to save Ross Stripling for a higher leverage situation than coming in for Jin Ryu in the third inning or something like that. Trent I, Thornton I, I don't was know. getting
0: lo- loose last night late in the game. Yeah, so... Um, I don't know the answer to that.
2: Yeah, it, <laughs> but no. But <laughs> anyhow. Um, but it was interesting because... I think that was, and we, we talked about this in Blue Jays talk. I think that's a sign that the rubber has met the road with the Jays bullpen. We're going to start to see some changes now, and I'm not entirely certain it's going to be just the same old guys coming up and being sent down and coming up and being sent down. Mm-hmm. And if I'm Julian Merriweather, I really took note of that last night because Ryan Barucki, he's an organizational guy, right? He's a guy that... People it's liking the organization.
0: The nice guy.
2: Nice guy. Lefty mm-hmm. throws 97, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Merriweather gets the call last night. It's 99, striking out Adam Angle.
0: Sometimes guys throw 99 and don't play 99.
2: A bingo. But he strikes out Reese McGuire, then gives up a couple of singles and gets a terrific, a terrific play from Bo. There were two ground ball plays, I thought, last night. That one and then Chapman's Chapman's play in the ninth inning. I, and I keep this is why you will not hear me come on and criticize Matt Chapman for hitting, because I swear to God, I think he's going to win more games or save more games with his glove than with his bat. Not going
0: to hurt for sure.
2: Getting the lead runner at third and then getting the guy, having enough confidence to get the guy at second. Is
0: yeah, for, for me, for, for me, I'm going to give play. Santiago Espinal more credit than, for that than, than I will Matt Chapman. Now That was an in-between hop. Matt Chapman came and got the ball. For him to be able to get to third base, that's elite stuff. Like we're just used to seeing that. But that pick to Santiago Espinal made at second base on the low throw, that that's like you you got to have confidence that you're gonna. If you get it in the area code, the dude you're throwing to is gonna catch it. That's that's confidence. That's what I was gonna say. That you do enough off right. the field that you know if you get it close to this dude, he's gonna catch it. And that's that's trust. Like I got this, you get yours, yep. and that's sort of I think what you're seeing. They're taking enough chance. even with Bo. The Bo the play that Bo made. Late in the game there when Vladdy picked it, he has enough confidence in Vladdy that he gets it close. Like, he starts it because, you know, Jeff, when a ball with a defender running towards the third baseline, mm-hmm. throwing it across his body and have to aim it up towards the the umpire, it's going to have – when it hits the ground because it's got side spin to it, it's going to kick – back up towards the umpire because it's got side spin yeah. to it. And for him to have enough confidence in Vladdy to be able to get in front of it, have soft enough hands to pick that. And for Vladdy not to give up on any them. play is the good other for, thing I like as well. For, I mean, it's very easy when you're not hitting yeah. to go out there and hang your head, not be a good defender, yeah. not root for your buddies and help your buddies out. Give them credit. They're all doing it.
2: Yeah. It was a, uh, boy, I mean, the, the defense this team plays has. It's become a, it's, be- it's the reason why they're game of about
0: 500. Absolutely. Let's be honest. If I, if I told you, Jeff, 48 games into the season, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was hitting 249 with nine homers and 24 RBIs on an OPS of 780. Last seven games, he's four for his last 24. And they were eight games above 500. What would yeah. you say to me? Yeah.
2: And then I look at Barrios' numbers. They haven't been well said. spectacular. And, and Romano was. Would you make a Jordan Romano last night? Because I know there were people who are going to say he gave up back to back singles, gets a fielder's choice, strikes out sheets. Um, and, and, and gets out of the game, we've talked, you know, I'm not, I, we know there isn't a lot of swing and miss stuff in the back end of the bullpen. I, I, there's really at this point no point in even mentioning it anymore. But you like some of the stuff you saw out of him last night. I, you like the Velo?
0: I did like the velocity of the slider. I think we should right. stop talking about the, the octane of the, uh, the velocity of the heater. I just don't think we're going to see 98-99 anymore. I, maybe we will, I, for whatever reason. Like, he's, you can tell he's a max effort guy. He, he ain't messing around. He's mechanically trying to get it as compact as possible and let that thing eat as many times as he can. That's why I say it's it's. he's pumping it out there as hard as he can, and that's 97 is about the mm-hmm. end result of that. So I think that's probably where you're looking at is 95 to 97, somewhere in there. Slider's a little harder. For me, anyway, he pitches too much as a slider. Like, I sooner or later, it's okay to get ahead with the heater. And then it'll make your hanging slider that much better. That for me anyway, but who am I? I like, go, I'm never closed. Mm-hmm. It's easy for me to be sitting on my couch and going, why are you throwing so many sliders? But it just seems to me like if you would pitch a little bit the other way, trust the hater, speed you up, get you thinking you have to cheat to hit that thing. And now you don't have to be as fine with your slider. But if you show it to them enough, it's just like anybody. If I show you sliders slider, you're going to have a better chance of laying off yeah. of it or hitting it. Late in games, and that's not what you want to do, yeah, is
2: especially late in games. Guys are really going to be zeroed in on things like that because it's a close game. It's late in the game. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be there the hero. Go. Darren Jackson is a White Sox radio analyst. He will join us. We've got Kevin Gossman at eleven oh five. Lou Merloney as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet five ninety, the Fan three sixty, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder 11.05, Kevin Gossman joins us. Fresh off last night's performance against the Chicago White Sox in a... 6-5, Blue Jays win. Didn't talk a great deal about Kevin Gossman last night. We'll do that before we uh, split at 11 o'clock. Blue Maloney at 1130. Yeah, what you did there? Before we split. Oh, I didn't. I actually wasn't huh. even thinking that way. I wasn't trying to be funny. I, I, I really wasn't. Um, we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Darren Jackson, White Sox radio analyst. So the White Sox are without Dylan Cease and Kendall Graveman. Uh, as a result of covid restrictions Dylan cease wouldn 't have pitched in this series anyhow. Kendall graveman a uh, valued arm out of the bullpen mm. um, They are without Tim Anderson until the end of the month. Uh, Tony Larusi yesterday said that at the time of the injury there was he was told that it could possibly be six weeks so now you 're looking at basically you 're looking at the all star break um so the best case scenario as it turns out for the White Sox is that it's it's 3 weeks. Uh, so they don't have Tim Anderson for 3 weeks. They were without Luis Robert yesterday. He is expected back. Now again, this is Tony Larusa yesterday before the game saying it could see him back DHing Wednesday and Yuan Moncada I I don't know what his status is. Um I, my impression was it was kind of it was going to be a decision between him and the team. Uh, but that's Kevin those are three really significant players. They're also without Laurie Garcia, and as a result, you saw Yasmani Grandel leading off last night, over five with three three strikeouts. You know, Tony Tony La argument was, I mean, basically he doesn't have any any other great options. You know, Tim Anderson is, as Tony LaRusse said, he is our igniter we he's a guy we can't replace like We don't have anything. Well we don't have any, any, anybody that can replace him. So his, his point with Grandell is get me somebody that can control the strike zone a little bit, you know, hit the ball to all fields when he's on. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So the Jays caught the white Sox this series shorthanded. They may catch the Minnesota twins shorthanded as well this weekend. Carlos Correa is on the COVID IL and, and the twins have some players as well who aren't faxed. So, uh all told six game winning streak. This is an opportunity to make some hay.
0: Kopek is That's that's the one thing. You gotta figure out ways to beat good pitching. If you if you want to be a great team, Jeff, that's how you do it.
2: Darren Jackson is a White Sox radio analyst and of course a former MLB outfielder. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Darren, thank thanks so much for joining us. Uh, look, we want to talk about Michael Kopeck. We've been really looking forward to this start. Uh, we had Ozzie Guillen on yesterday and Ozzie said that Kopech reminds him of he, he, the two names that came to mind for him were Ozzie Guillen and Jack McDowell in terms of guys who want the ball, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get there, I want to ask you three, even if it's three weeks without Tim Anderson, let's, let's say it's a minimum three weeks. Let's say everything goes according to plan. That is, that's a long time to be without that dude, isn't it?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Jeff, uh, Thanks for having me on, guys. But, um, yeah, no, there's absolutely no replacing him in our lineup. He is the spark plug. He is the guy that kind of makes us go. He puts pressure on the defense when he's on the base paths. Um, So, offensively, we we just don't have – there's just nobody going to step up and do what he can do for us. He's one of the best bat-to-ball guys. He's going to hit the ball the majority of the times. He's standing at home plate. He doesn't walk much, doesn't strike out much, makes the defense have to go. Um, and, and we cannot put somebody at the top of the lineup that's going to replicate what he can offer. But, you know, in the end, it comes down to this. We need other guys that are capable hitters to just step up and deliver, drive in runs, and 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 be a presence with runners in scoring positions. we we got two teams in Toronto and the Sox that have both struggled driving in runs this year. So, you know, as you just mentioned, right now the Jays are – in a position to make some hay. Uh, they're on a bit of a winning streak, and they're playing some teams that are down. But no excuses. This comes down to the pitching in this series, and we'll see what happens tonight with uh, with Michael Kopech against Ryu.
0: Darren, what do you think the, the ceiling is for Andrew Vaughn?
1: Oh, man. Well, let's say this, Kevin. Um, I, I think this guy is one of the smarter hitters in the game. He proved mm-hmm. that last year in his first full year. He's an intelligent hitter. You watch him work. Pitchers that aren't going to really concede to him and, and give him pitches to crush. All he does is take line drives into the right center field gap down the right field line, and then you hang an off-speed pitch. He'll turn it into left center. Last night, his approach was great to hit the home run. It was a splitter that was actually down, but mm-hmm. he's smart enough. He's smart enough to pick pitches and look for pitches. He's he's just a very intelligent, old school kind of hitter where he watches the game, he watches what's going on with guys in front of him, and he makes quick adjustments within the game.
2: Yeah, and I really like some of the at bats he had with with Kevin Gossman. I know Gossman was quoted after the game saying, do "You do you do you have at bats like that over the course of the year where you, you're trying everything." And you know, he was talking about it. He and Danny Jansen they're on the same mm-hmm. page, so it wasn't like. But he said, I mean, you just couldn't get him out. I had, sometimes that happens. You just cannot get a guy out.
1: Well, you know what's funny, and I know that it's the second at bat where he hit the double, yeah. um, but it, it was a hustle double because the shift was on. But he fouled off every pitch, and the timing was on every pitch. A yes. fastball, timing was there. Splitter, timing was there. And I'm commenting at the time, I'm like, I mean, if you're Gosman, you're going, what the heck am I supposed to throw this guy? I hope he chases a slider off the outside corner. Otherwise, what am I going to do? If I throw him a strike, he's on everything. So, I mean, you can see that. You can sense that. And it's tangible. And it's fun to see those kind of battles because generally pitchers are going to dominate hitters and especially good ones like Gosman. But he, he was confounded trying to figure out how to get this guy out. That was fun to watch for me. Okay. The the
0: Blue Jays are getting Kopech. You know, I I looked up his numbers. I don't even want to say this out loud. Like, you know, I I used to try to hit. (laughs) If you're you're looking at his numbers, like the average against is like one, I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it very quietly. It's 122, which is just off the charts. (laughs) Righties are hitting like .98 off of him. And I saw that he throws a fastball. Now, listen to this, 66% of the time. Tell me how he does that.
1: <laughs> Scary, huh? I'll bark. I'll tell you how he. I'll tell you how he does it. Is as guys that you faced in your career. He's got that lively fastball with a lot of spin. He could yeah. throw it at the top of the strike zone where you're thinking it's going to come down some at a, at a bit of a plane. It stays up and you end up swinging underneath it nonstop. You're like, why am I missing mm-hmm. this fastball? It mm-hmm. makes no sense. Yeah. It's just got some jump on it. He hides it a little bit and you, he's 95. He's not 105. He's 95. Mm-hmm. And he gets so many swings and misses because his ball is not doing what hitters anticipate. So, Hey look, the approach you need honestly if you 're facing a guy like this, the smart thing is keep the hands high and don't let them drop, and then you can come down to the ball and give yourself a chance. But if your hands drop at all you 're swinging underneath everything uh,
0: absolutely Dar- darren he I think now correct me if i 'm wrong. The last time he pitched was twenty seconds, so he 's had some time off. Is there one little thing that you'll be looking for him early to see you know how he's going to get it back on the tracks to to have a really good start for the white sox um i I'm I think the 22nd was his I, last start. So
1: he's. I, some- I actually think he's pitched since then. You know, we spaced some guys out because we had off days. All right. Um. But the the reality is, is he pitched on the 22nd. You're right. And he was dominant for seven innings. Mm-hmm. He's not a big strikeout guy now, and he's he's fresh like that. And we monitor his in- His innings for some reason. I think we finally got to a point where we're not going to do that anymore. They've been overly protective coming back from the surgery a couple of years back. They put him in short relief last year. Now he's in the 90 plus pitches. I think tonight's one of those nights, as long as he's on, we can see him throw a hundred plus pitches and he's learning how to be more efficient. You noticed Mark that his, he's not averaging a strikeout per inning. No. He has 39 strikeouts in 40 plus innings, but that's that doesn't really matter because he's only given up 17 hits in 42 yeah, innings. So he's crazy. getting outs to contact. It's just, I think tonight we look for him personally he's got that little chip on his shoulder where he's tired of people looking at him like he's he's some china doll and he's got to be protected he's going to go out there with a mission to show everybody now I'm a tough texan and you're going to have to pull me off the field
2: Darren it's always interesting to get the take from other broadcasters who were players when it comes to Vladdy Jr now I know you you obviously you've seen him before and you've seen him now what have you, and I, and I understand it's one game. Have you noticed anything about Vladdy that might help explain why he's had such a, such a sluggish, what, first two months?
1: (laughs) No, other than baseball's hard. And the fact that every time he walks to home plate, um, there's no way an opponent wants him to be the one that beats you. So as anybody would tell you, uh, uh, to me, the most impressive thing is is the superstars like, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. walking up to home plate at his age in a presence that's of a 33 year old that's a future Hall of Famer. And and he intimidates pitchers, and, and he knows it. Last night, he took a pitch, and he's like, shoulders dropped like up. They don't want to come at me. Mm-hmm. You Nobody know, knows this. And you know what? And it, sometimes, like last night I had a bat, well, It absolutely looked like we were going to go around him. Uh, Giolito was going to go around him. Men in scoring position, you can tell he's like, great. He's going to walk me again. And next thing you know, he expands the strike zone because he's tired of walking, not being pitched to with men in scoring position, and he helps Giolito out, swings at a pitch off the corner, up and in. And then Giolito's like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to be aggressive, throw one a little closer. And next thing you know, he swings and fouls that off, and he strikes out and the count had been 2-0 and and he comes back from 2-0 and and strikes him out on pitches, basically, I don't think Lucas was even planning on throwing strikes. And, and, and I think that's where the youth came in, where he didn't want to walk. And I think there you have it. Sometimes as a young player, you get impatient. He's a hitter. He's not a walker. He'll walk if he has to, but he wants to crush the baseball, and he'll get himself out occasionally while he's still youthful, and uh, he'll learn next couple. He'll be 25 years old. Oh my God, look at this guy. He won't swing anything out of the strike zone. Mm-hmm. Like, he's that intelligent.
0: Yeah, now, Darren, the, the, Blue, the Blue Jays obviously got off to a slower start offensively, and, and you know, fans and, and a lot of people want to point the fingers at the manager with Charlie, and that's Charlie's job is to sort of take the brunt of that to take it off his players. And I wonder how Tony has handled – the injuries, Like, you know, this is expectation years for Tony being there in the White Sox. And obviously he's got nothing to do with the injuries, but it is Tony La Russa, And And he's getting a little older. You get a little older. Sometimes you, you know, have issues with handling certain things. How's he handled the the slower start and all the injuries?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, you know, I can honestly say he's never had to deal with this kind of stuff sure. as, as a manager of, of, of the Cardinals days, the A's days. I mean, those days guys went to the post with little injuries. This is a different breed of player. You know, mm-hmm. guys get banged up, they get a bruise, and they're on the I.L. If they got a deep bone bruise, whereas before you'd lose your job if that were you if you weren't a superstar. So um, he, he's dealing with it, but I know for a fact it's reluctantly. It's not like something he's, he's happy about, but he can't do anything about it either because today's breed of player you have to accept. They will not want, they will take themselves off the field. If they frick, get dirt in their eye and they'll go, I, I just can't see. Well, I just can't see it. And the manager's going to go get him off. And he's accepted that. And I give him credit for that. He has adjusted to the modern baseball player, but still, you know, he's tenacious and he's got that, hmm. that guy that had the, the tough guys and he'd rather have his guys be tough. But what are you going to do? If they're going to manage in this era, you've got to manage the players that you're dealt with. And, we have had bad luck with major injuries, not just bumps and bruises. We've had guys really go down with things. There's nothing that can be done about. And uh, we just don't honestly have the backup plan. Who who does? Who has the depth to replace an Eloy Jimenez or a Luis Robert or a right. Tim? You, there's no way you can replace these guys from your minor league system or your bench. It's impossible. And we're just trying to keep our head above water. It's the pitching. It's the pitching that's got to do its job. And we're going to score some some games where we score one and two runs and hopefully the pitching gives us a chance to win last night was, was insane. Two of the best pitchers in the league. And I thought this is going to be a two to one game with these offenses. And it turns out to be 25 hits between the two teams who who expected that. Not me.
2: Yeah, no, we were, <clears throat> we were anticipating a pitching.
1: We were anticipating,
2: frankly, another one run game, I think, but as you <laughs> say, two, one or three, two, Darren, thanks for doing this, man. Great to talk to you as always. Great stuff. Bart. Jeff, thank you guys. I appreciate the time. Thank, thank you. Carol. It's Darren Jackson, White Sox radio
0: analyst. Sorry, that's a great point he made about Vladdy. Like that's that's, uh, I I think just think there's a fine line there. So some sometimes if you're that if you're that good, like you just gotta sort of deal with it and, and roll with the punches and and you know you got to be mechanically sound and mentally tough enough that when you get that one, that you can't miss it. And I think maybe maybe Darren's right about the Vladdy part of it and. What he's going through when it comes to getting pitched around, and
2: yeah, although we we made the point, I I, I don't think teams are necessarily pitching around him as mm-hmm. much as they were anymore. I yeah, are they being careful? He's Vladdy Jr. But your point about the slider to Bobichet was yeah. interesting. No, it's like three one or three and zero. Yeah, you know, this guy, I don't want to give this guy anything to hit. Maybe get him to chase. Oh, he's on base. I'll go sure. with Vladdy.
0: I'm with you. Just It, it looked like uh, Gialito knew that the elevated heater up and in. Vladdy's going to get himself out. I, I really don't have to make a perfect pitch. I make a decent pitch with a little bit of velocity and get it in there because of his mechanics and what he has to do to get timing and everything down and level that swing out. I I don't know. Maybe the expectations. Are, are we unfair with the expectation shift? Maybe that's it. Maybe no, we just listen. expect so much from Vladdy. That it just is. Maybe it's not realistic. I'm uh, not listening.
2: I'm seeing a guy who uh, was runner-up for American League MVP. Was he up against? If had he been up against a normal player, might have won it. Wasn't going to win it against Shohei Ohtani. I I see a guy who's made very clear that he wants to win the Triple Crown, and he should because I think based on what we saw last year, he's clearly capable of doing it. No, I, I, um, I I mean, I'll. that's a hill I'll die on. I do not think expectations were too high for Vladdy. I really don't. I I, I think everybody's expectations for, for Vladdy were were what they should be. Um, you know, I, we can fudge maybe with the number of home runs, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, no, I don't think that... I don't think that... that I'm not certain... I was going to say I'm not certain there's any more pressure on him this year than last year. I don't think that's the case necessarily. But... I, yeah, I, I just can't, I don't, I don't want to fall into that area where we say we put too many, expe- maybe too, ex- maybe too many expectations. Well, maybe it's a
0: little it, bit, he doesn't really going. know the answer to it. Like <laughs> last year he thought it was his, his weight. I, I lose the weight. I'm going to rake. Yeah. He's lost the weight. See, I kind of, now what? Vladdy. Uh,
2: Vladdy for me is kind of in the same category as Jose Barrios. And that people keep talking about Jose Barrios and his numbers. I'm my approach with Jose Barrios is the guy's good, he stays healthy, he answers the bell, they'll figure it out. Plus, he's a good athlete. Vladdy, I'm kind of the same way. Vladdy's now, I the wrist thing, I don't know how much that's that's bothering him when it started, anything like he that. He took some
0: big daddy hacks last time. Yeah, he didn't look to me like a guy <laughs> no. with a sore wrist.
2: For Vladdy, it's very much the same thing, just like it is with Bo. If they're in the lineup, I have to have faith that they're going to figure it out because they are that good. I just have to. I can you're gonna drive yourself nuts if you go to every Jay's game and Vladdy doesn't go three for four and you're going and, 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 and goes one for four or has an O for five and strike and go, Oh my god, is he ever gonna get it back? You're gonna drive yourself nuts mm-hmm. if that's the case. You just have to trust in the talent. You have to trust in the fact that the guy's going to play every day. Like that's the only way I can explain it. If this was happening and Vladdy was hurt and he was missing three days and, and and all this stuff and not playing well at first base, then I'd have concerns. But I see a guy who's out there every day. I see a guy who's a very good defensive first baseman. He's certainly not carrying the hitting with him in, with him into the field. The team's eight games over five hundred, and he mm-hmm. appears to be a good teammate. So. I'm just gonna let it ride. I I really am. Same thing with Bo earlier in the year. Look where Bo is now. Look how much he's dragged him. He's grinded and dragged that average up. That's gonna happen because he's Bo Bichette. He's not gonna hit the All Star break hitting 190.
0: You just knew that. I'm I'm, with I'm you. the same way with Vlad. I'm I'm with you. But elite offensive players, 48 games, big sample size. Now start. It's just time to turn the corner. Like it's time to figure out that that's the thing is that's why you have levels at the minor leagues to. Know that when you struggle, what did I go to at the minor league level that I could fix it right away? Does Do you have any idea? And I don't think the organization knows either. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing they're sort of going through is it's a process of well, how do you fix it? Well, he's never struggled because we don't know how to fix it, and it's it's a little bit of that. Is it the T word? There's a lot, so that's I think what he's going through. How do you hit the low pitch? By the way, how do you hit it? Well, you oh. well, well we'll flip it on we'll the other flip side. it on the other side. There it is. Yeah.
2: Um, I wanted to ask you about that. Kevin Gossman of the Toronto Blue Jays joins us at 11.05. Lou Merloni as well. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favourite podcast.